I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Tommy Moore! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass, Hello everybody and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here joined by Murray Kinsella. Just before he hits the road for Galway for Connacht Leinster, there is a caveat really to begin this podcast, which is by the time it's actually produced and more importantly by the time you're listening to it, kickoff will probably be imminent. So we're going to maybe touch upon that game very briefly, but look ahead mostly to Munster who are shorn uh, another couple of frontliners for their trip to Exeter. We'll touch upon Ulster's trip to Toulouse and the Ireland women's game with Italy as well. All of this we will look back upon on Monday with Birch on Rugby Weekly Extra for the 42 members. It's members.the42.ie if you haven't signed up yet and joined us on that move. But Murray, to begin with, how are you? Are you looking forward to tonight? Yeah, can't wait. I'm going to try and get off uh, pretty soon after this because the traffic leaving Dublin and getting into Galway on a Friday can be tricky. But uh, yeah, class tie to kick off what is an unbelievable round of action. Actually, tomorrow, I was just looking through the schedule of rugby. Jen, my missus, is away back down to Waterford for the weekend. So I've lined up Chiefs v Blue starts in the morning. Then you've got the Ireland Sevens from Singapore. You've got Drua versus Brumbies. Then you've got Bordeaux against La Rochelle, as well as the Ireland schools and Ireland girls under 18s. The Ulster match against Toulouse, followed by Munster Exeter. Then you can top it off with Beeritz v Toulon. So that is literally my plan. I haven't done a day like this for a while, Gav, but I'm going to go full, full on rugby tomorrow. How are you? These are special times. I have to say it's so <laughs> impressive to see you reel those off without reading them as well. Uh, I can't I can't express to our listeners how impressive this guy is. I mean, you know, at this point. Um, yeah, I'm super. I'm pumped, actually. I'm pumped for all of the weekend's games. Look, mm. I'm unabashedly a Monster fan. I, I don't really make any pretenses about that on this podcast. And... We'll start with this game because as much as um, we're reluctant to, like, look, we just have to accept that Munster are going to be the story more often than not, but particularly this week and today when they've named their team and suddenly you're down Peter Romani and Joey Carberry as well as the four internationals that have been ruled out earlier in the week. But I have to say my overriding emotion after the initial shock or the initial little oh shit moment is one of excitement because Mm. I always think, Murray, with individual players we shouldn't ascribe ceilings to them uh, like in terms of talent talent identification uh, but in terms of how we perceive players even as fans or as journalists as well because you look at somebody like i don't know josh van der Fleer, would you have said like four years ago that he'd be the player now um that, that he would become the player that he is now and like i think there are so many variables within individual players right every player has like their own athletic capacity vaguely but you can work on things like passing technique all of these sorts of things and hit primes at different ages and all sorts i do think that there is a ceiling for teams collectively especially under the same management i think a certain philosophy or a certain management group can probably only take a team so far and i think monster have reached that plateau under Johan van gran um and under Stephen Larkham and arguably Graham Rowntree we'll see if he stays on well it looks like he will um so when you look at the couple of variables that have been added to that monster team now I'm excited to see how they go John Hodnett Alex Kandelin having a crack off Sam Simmons and the lads at Exeter Ben Healy as well getting a start at 10 I want to find out as a fan are these guys good enough to actually change the narrative around Munster in the next couple of years they're not going to win a European Cup this year I'd be surprised if they get through this tie to be totally honest and even if Omani and Carberry were available and even if Kukoin, Tyke Byrne, Andrew Conway were, were available 
I'd still would have been actually surprised if they gotten through Exeter because as much as it looked like a kind tie on paper a few months ago, Exeter have won six of their last eight and those two defeats have been pretty narrow. They look like they're rediscovering something resembling their best. And I think if Munster had all of those options available to them, probably the game probably descends or the tie probably descends to a bit of a dick measuring contest. I think Exeter are a little bit better endowed than Munster and, and probably have the big game smarts to get over the line. So I like the little complication now in not really knowing. And again, as just a Munster fan, I'm just excited to see how these young lads go. I don't really care about the rest of the season personally. A lot of people at home might disagree with me. I just want to see now what the picture might look like next season and beyond. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm excited. I realise that I, I haven't even asked you a question. I've just kind of gone off on one. But uh, what did you make of the team news? Yeah, it is exciting. I think you'd be excited if they get through and there's a quarterfinal as well. And, and absolutely, I think Munster should have strong belief that they can do it, even without those absences. Like if you're cold and clinical about it, they're missing like over a third of their first choice team, a whole raft of experience in all areas of the team, coin in the, the front row, burn in the second row, two years first first choice back rows, your leading 10, the guy who's been the kind of franchise man and your experienced right wing. But there's a lot to be excited about. It's not a bad team on, on paper, certainly Munster. The front five is probably the area where you think there's not a whole lot of um, dynamic, explosive power in there and that's probably an area they can muscle out. But let's not forget that Exeter are missing you know, Luke Cowan-Dickey, Johnny Hill in their front five. Jack Knoll is missing with injury. They've not been great this season. And I still think they should be, Munster should be absolutely targeting this. I don't think they need to win away from home. It's two legs. Let's not forget that. So absolutely keep themselves within touching distance. Ideally, obviously win and bring it back to Tongan Park. And it would not surprise me at all if they go through. Even if both of them had been at full strength, I actually... I think Munster would would have been my favourites for, for this tie. I I just I don't think Exeter have been quite at that level. Listen, they might go to another um I suppose level this this weekend. It might be the the making of them this season, but we know that Munster are always gritty in these circumstances. And I'm very excited to see Hodnett and Candelan starting, Ben Healy getting the big start in Europe that his form has probably demanded. Absolutely, it's been forced on Munster to a massive degree. But yeah, I, I agree with your uh, anticipation of of learning more about those guys. Someone like Finneen Witcherly with a massive job in his hands running the line out. Obviously, they, they couldn't have paired Klein and Jenkins together there in the second row because neither of them can run line out. So he's got a big role to play. Lockman's been in an Ireland squad very recently. He gets his opportunity to shine um, with, with Kilcoyne gone. And yeah, we'll learn a lot about them. Yeah, like on a, on a cold factual basis, they're missing a huge number of players. But I think there's lots of reason to be um, looking forward to what Munster produce and even thinking that they should uh, be in with a good shout going back to Tone Park. They will definitely think that and I think especially those younger players will think that they're going to be looking to take names uh, and looking to absolutely sew it into some of their opposite numbers. But do, do you think there's a danger that we are, people generally are overlooking Exeter? I can't help but feel as though as much as they haven't been um, what they were this season and it has been a difficult season at the turn of the year they lost four to five in all competitions at one point and it looked like their season might disintegrate altogether but they're fourth in the premiership their recent form has been pretty good like they ran Leicester pretty close a couple of weeks ago I just feel as though they're maybe turning the corner at the right time for them as you get into the business end and like if they can like I'm thinking of say even the Exeter team that Leinster beat in Europe last season if you, if they could perform similarly to that again like I think that's enough to beat Munster at the moment you know what I mean like I think Exeter at even 80% have 
the match of Munster, regardless of personnel available to them at the moment. Yeah, and, and certainly it would it would be foolish to underestimate what they can produce. They can be such a cohesive, well-oiled machine of a team. Like you look through their starting team, and, and it's not absolutely jam-packed with star names at all, really. Obviously, Stuart Hogg is is high profile. Henry Slade plays with England. You've got Sam Simmons and, and his brother Joe, excellent players for him. But there's a lot of guys there who aren't international superstars. Um, and the the quality of Exeter has been how they function together and how cohesive they have been, and that hasn't been the case. I watched him a few times this season and, and it just hasn't clicked in the in the manner they've done in the past. I know Rob Baxter's been saying about players not letting this potential golden period slip. And that's a really nice reminder, I think, for his group because there's definitely more in them. But I don't know, it almost feels like a game that's kind of suited to Munster. And that's what I was thinking with the two first choice teams. It felt like a matchup that probably suited what Munster are good at in terms of the wrestle and the confrontational side of it, of keeping things really tight, of being defensively sound taking opportunities when they get them down the 22 and that Exeter I, I know they have attacking qualities and they, they have some really nice attacking shape but they maybe aren't the the threat of say a Toulouse in, in that regard so I, I still think it is a decent tie for them and I still think there should be some expectation on them like, like Munster can't just accept you know oh we go out in the round of 16 ag- again it's not where the province should be and I know there's injuries here but these are the players that everyone has been clamouring for these are the guys who've been I presume behind closed doors demanding more of this opportunity because they have been playing well and even you look at the bench you know there's Craig Casey still on the bench he had a a good shout and I know obviously when you remove a whole lot of experience from the team you've got to have that balanced out but he's been pushing hard Thomas O'Hearn's a guy with loads of more further potential even and that's exciting as well because it will be an absolute 23 man Dermot Barron again in in the front row I think he's been really you know um, pushing for for a start and, and had a good claim for it maybe with a bit more experience in that pack it would have been the, the prime opportunity for him but there's there's lots to like still about that Munster 23 we've spoken about more depth in the squad we've spoken about the young generation of players coming through and I think Munster fans should be hoping that this is their moment we thought Wasps was a bit of that moment because a lot of guys did come in and step up and take their opportunity against what was let's be honest a, a much weaker Wasps team than they're playing Exeter but yeah I think it'll be really powerful and really positive for for the province if we if we see those younger guys again leading as they did last weekend. Do you think Munster's approach to the game changes bearing in mind the players that have suddenly become unavailable to them Captain and Joey Carberry? Yeah well like the 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 big loss is losing your kind of dual destroyers in Omani and Byrne they are just relentless with their ability to win turnovers not just at the breakdown at the mall the two of them are, are destroyers so you are down that that real strength I, I think attacking wise like Healy has shown the development of his game in that regard I don't think it changes a huge amount he's pushed his decision making skills his creativity his vision all things that you think will take longer term to improve but they've improved very quickly in the short term obviously the the set piece is going to be a big one you know um, down Kilcoin. Um, and missing, um, you know, uh, burn around the, the line out as well, attacking wise and, and him calling that. But as I said, Witcherly has, has shown plenty of promise, I think, in that regard and, and a real maturity as well. So I don't think the formula will change. I don't think Munster really have the capability of changing it all that much, really. They're not a, a really versatile team. Um, but with different personnel there, they bring their own kind of unique strengths as well. Do you know when we talk about experience and the fact that you do need that balance, 
and that probably costs Greg Casey a start. Well, look, to be honest, Conor Murray may have started the game no matter what happened. Like, he has mm. plenty of credit in the bank. But I'm wondering, this might be the most stupid question I ever ask you in the podcast, but what do you actually <laughs> mean by experience when you can when you take it into consideration the impact that Casey had last week like he was markedly better than Murray in most areas of the game I know it's a different kind of a game when he comes on there there are loads of little Mm. variables even in that but when you see a guy just playing a little bit better than the other guy at the moment to most people's eyes what is the experience that Murray brings to the table that actually counterbalances that and it tips it in his favor in terms of getting that starting berth yeah I think things like well his kicking game is certainly much better and that's a massive part of the first 60 minutes of any game and and trying to control field position and his understanding of trying to be in the right field position. Like, as you say, Casey comes on and and the only job he has there is just to lift tempo, go, go, go with the ball every time. There's nothing else really to his job. He did it brilliantly, as we we discussed in the members pod in quite a bit of depth after the game on on Monday. Great chat with with Birch there. Um, But yeah, Murray has that, the I suppose, built up awareness of different situations in games. And like, let's not completely overstate his perceived malaise as well like it's not all on him him and Joey are probably the um, often the fall guys for for stuff around them not being as smoothly functioning Owen was talking about it on Wednesday about how Carberry could have benefited from better communication outside him when you know when he looks a little bit flustered on the ball it's often because there's not that chat coming in from the outside so um, I, I do think Murray is composed around that even when there's a bit of pressure on when there's not going much going on around him when he's on the ball at the base of a rook. He he deals with it well. He defends really well. That's another strength to his game. Um, and then just the the big decisions in in matches, the this the flow of the game, whether to go to the corner, whether to go to points, they'll all be really important, particularly with the the two ties here as well. So I I can see why he's stuck with him in there. Um, but as we said, like what a brilliant nine to bring off your bench. He's going to be a key part of it. As are every single one of them. I can't wait to see Thomas Hearn get on in a big European tie. Jenkins, I know he lost the ball in contact a couple of times in the last two games since he's been back, but I thought he did bring a nice bit of grunt in the in the tackle and even some of the set-piece stuff as well. So handy to have a big unit like him to come on also. Yeah, I certainly hope I'm not guilty of overstating Murray's perceived malaise. Like I thought he came on at Twickenham only a few weeks ago and I thought he was sensational personally. Yeah. Just that when you've got a guy like Casey kind of buzzing a little bit and you kind of wonder, is it time to strike while the iron is hot? Maybe not tomorrow. Well, certainly not tomorrow. Looking at the starting 15s, we'll see what he can do when he comes on. I found myself questioning what I was doing with my life earlier, Murray, when I was looking through Toulouse's record at home in European knockout games. And <laughs> I went back as far as their last defeat, which was actually to Leinster in 2006, in terms of just home knockout games. And I questioned what I was doing with my life for two reasons. Number one, it turned out that that stat that they'd won nine out of the last 10 home knockout games was actually readily available on their website. I didn't need to trawl <laughs> through the records. And number two, who cares, you know? Like, you know, we all, we often yeah. talk about these stats where it's like, oh, they have this unbelievable home record stretching back as far as whenever. Like, most of these players have barely played in any of those games and Ulster haven't. So, I don't know. It's like, if you're just looking at this game objectively between two sides, one of them is in really decent form in Ulster. Obviously, a couple of hiccups in South Africa, one of them unlucky. The other is having a very indifferent season. It just so happens that they're also the European champions and a great French joint in Toulouse. Yeah, and again, like, Ulster don't have to win this. You know, they don't have to break that kind of streak. 
they just have to be nicely in touch and then back themselves at home. I like it's clearly been perceived as an advantage to be back at home with your, your second leg. That's how the organizers of the competition slanted it. And I definitely think that's the the case. And I would be shocked if Ulster aren't able to trade blows with Toulouse here. We know that their attack is going to be brilliant. We know DuPont's going to have moments where Ulster just can't shackle them. They've got a really impressive punchy pack, albeit they're missing Julian Marchand. He's a he's a blow, although we know Malveca, his fellow Grand Sam winner, ain't the worst replacement. They've got a, a really dynamic back row with Elstad Flamand, who's been really good the last couple of weekends watching Toulouse. His carrying has been excellent, just his ability to, to change up on the ball. And Francois Crow, who's been who was brilliant for for France in that Six Nations. So there's a massive meaty pack there, as well as those halfbacks who make brilliant decisions. Lebel on the wing is a really good finisher, so they'll score. But like Ulster's scoring power is is almost unrivaled out, out in their back line when you've got Balakoon, Hume, and Larry in, in such form. Um, and Henderson back captaining the side. They've got Dwayne Vermeulen's experience there. Another kind of addition that they've had over the the last season that. You know, I think of the last time they went to Toulouse and it didn't go well for them. It went well for Michael Airy, actually, when he moved into out half, but it didn't go well for, for Ulster as a team. And he probably brings some of the stuff we've just spoken about with regards to Murray on an even bigger scale, I think, given his World Cup winning status and and having him there for, for this occasion is massive. So again, I, I would be surprised if Ulster aren't able to really realistically take this into a second leg. And that's why it's so fascinating. Like all the players all week just saying we haven't mentioned or spoken about leg two, but it's a class dynamic. And I can't wait to see where everyone lies and and then try and figure out the following weekend exactly how much they need. It's going to be really interesting. And I fully expect this Ulster team to be right in the mix. Yeah, I think the second leg starts to enter your mind when you're checking the scoreboard with 20 minutes to go. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? There's no point in thinking about it now, but it'll certainly become relevant uh in the final quarter Ireland women you're just off that presser we discussed it on Monday's members pod the importance of beating Italy this has become a a really crucial game and for Greg McWilliams and his staff to offer an actual tangible sense of progress even though listen we're blue in the face from saying we can actually see what they're trying to do in certain areas of the game there are loads of other areas of the game that they badly need to work on but just to have a result to point to and go okay this is a starting point our hard work over the last few weeks has gotten this result we build from here so will they do it to your mind they should win I think yeah they're at home against Italy and really a team who are in the same position as them without having the the contracts in 15s and and the ability to grow their game that way interesting to see the four changes to the team I think um, Christy Haney who came on last weekend they were really pleased with her making her debut gets a start at a tight head prop having probably been patient enough over the last few years in Ireland Han O'Connor to eight makes sense for me I think she's really good around the, the set piece she's obviously uh, in the leadership group as well and and brings a kind of calm level head to it Catherine Dane I think that's been a real kind of toss to the coin really at nine and, and Avian Riley's had her chances to to get a taste of test rugby but she brings a really nice passing game the back three is the most interesting one Baven Parsons returns this is what everyone kind of wanted to see the this wing sensation back she brings real scoring power but it means Lucy Mulhall moves now to fullback and 
I can't remember seeing her play there in, in 15s at fullback. It's a, a big move. She's done well, obviously, on the wing, but you've got a lot of space to cover there. So the three of them with, with Amy Lee Murphy-Crow, as well as the, the nine or ten or whoever sits in the backfield are going to have a lot of work to do. Emer Constantine, as we mentioned, is one of the most experienced players in the team. So an interesting call, I suppose, to leave her out altogether. Um, probably to return, I would guess, once the sevens internationals go, which will be a, a big chatting point. But... Yeah, I think Ireland should have enough quality here to do it, Gav. And it should never be really, I don't think it should get to the point where we think it's okay for Ireland to, to lose this match because there's a long-term project. I think they should have some nice pressure on themselves as well as just the players putting pressure on themselves, you know. They they put their hands up and said they didn't perform in that qualifier comp and now they need to start turning things around on the pitch and putting some onus on themselves. They've got, I suppose, um, the the vow to to push forward those recommendations, increase financial might, and and the coaching team that was a really popular appointment. So it's time to I suppose do that talking on the pitch. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it on Monday and seeing exactly how they shape up and whether that attack that they've been kind of flitting in and out of promisingly can really click now. Yeah, I actually really like the Mulhall call. Uh, admittedly, I haven't seen her play 15 either, and time will tell whether it actually pays off but I like it because there were a couple of incidents against France where she drops balls where there's no defender even within an arse's row of her and it was very un- uncharacteristic of her and if you're putting her into that position where there's every chance she'll actually get more kicks rained down on top of her or more balls uh, headed in her direction it's a real vote of confidence it's like look last week happened but we actually know what you can do and we're trusting you now with the arguably an even more important position or equally important position uh, in terms of defending kicks we will chat about it on monday we'll chat about connacht leinster as well um give us a one word prediction before you head off leinster it's a pretty good team isn't it it is yeah i think 19 out of the 23 internationals including michael alatoa who has seven caps for samoa so yeah i'd fancy leinster to get the job done there as well but i think it could be a special night who knows enjoy it We'll catch you on Monday. Mind yourself. Cheers, Gav. Chat to you then. Thanks to everybody at home as well for tuning in. It's members.the42.e if you want to join us on Monday for that weekly review pod with Bernard Jackman. And then Murray and Owen Toolan will be back on Wednesday as well for the 42 members. So until Monday for members and until next week for non-members. Mind yourselves. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it all. Take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year. I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie Robbie weekly. Little reverse pass. Magic! You're not alive, boys, so you start kicking when the real.